It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. Archer references at me enough that I, I get them, but I still refuse to watch that show. Sorry. I got sick of it. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't care. I don't know why. I don't have any good reason to not watch it. Just Hey, I'm Graham, and uh, <laughs> you guys are still here. I said you could stay the night, not the whole week. Oh. Oh, it's Video Store Graham. How's it I going? I don't know any other Graham. Video Store 1993 Graham. What are you talking about? I'm just naming the near, naming the year and naming the establishment. Sorry, and who, who are you guys again? I'm Phil. And I'm Kit. Right. So, what are you guys still doing here? Um, I, I was hoping we could uh, watch another movie. And, yeah. Also, we don't know how to get home. Where's home? There's that. <laughs> Where's home? Um, you ask difficult questions. Home is in the future, in the year 2017, Graham, where this is but an abandoned uh, museum of its former self. I don't believe you. I, I'm, a, I'm afraid that's... Um, I, I'm afraid Kid is right. I, I'm afraid I have to corroborate what he said. People don't even rent movies in the future, Graham. They just download them on what Netflix. Is this? I don't... Okay, I didn't understand whatever you guys just said. <laughs> So I'm going online. to ignore it and say uh, happy birthday to Orson Welles because today is his birthday. That's true. He is only Graham in 1993. How old is uh, Orson Welles? He's dead in 1993. He's kid. also dead in 2017. But what? he's like 102 yeah, 102. in 2017. So I guess that makes him something Take one. away 24 years. <laughs> what he's would that be? 78. Yes. He's not 78, he's dead. Let's not. But if he were alive in 1993, he would be 78. His bones are at least 78 years old. Okay. I will accept that. Unless he was cremated. So guys, if you really are from 2017, tell me, who's the next president of the United States? After Clinton? Yeah, after Clinton. It's George Bush. Huh. We just had George Bush, jerks. I called you out. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Well, for one, uh, he only served one term, so he could actually run again if he wanted to. Yeah, but nobody's done that since the 30s. <clears throat> but it's his son, George W. Bush, that I'm talking about. Oh, so is he like a like forward-thinking, like, uh, reformed Democrat? Like, because he's the newer Bush? Comparatively now, yes. Compared to what? Who's after him? <laughs> What's with this history? I thought I thought we were um keeping keeping this one yeah. keeping this one tight. Yeah. Very tight. <laughs> uh well, uh the first black president was elected after George W. Bush. Was it Bill Cosby? God, my god, sir, there is so much you don't know. So it wasn't Bill Cosby. No, uh Bill Cosby is a serial rapist. I call supreme bullshit on that. <laughs> you cannot tell me that Cliff Huxtable assaulted women. Yeah, like 50-something women. Now I know you're lying. <laughs> that number is too high. So so who was the, the first black president then? A man named Barack Hussein Obama. You guys aren't just liars, you're bad liars. Mm. Anyways, I'm going to shut you guys up, and we're going to watch a movie called Tough Turf. After that, Donald Trump is president. You're still not like convincing me that what you're saying is true. The Donald J. Trump. Oh, so it's not the, the guy from New York with the bad come over? No, that's the guy. 
Uh, you guys are just the worst. Like, I'm trying to ask you serious questions, and you're just laughing at I let you stay in the videos. How did you even hide here for a whole week? Like, the manager said he heard some weird, like, scratching in the walls. Was that you guys? Yes, we were hiding in the walls. Wait, wait. Did you guys lots, cause that lots smell? Lots of cheese and breadcrumbs in there. <laughs> did you guys cause that sm smell in the walls? <laughs> So today we're watching Tough Turf, which is the, um, uh, what is it, 1988, Phil? 1985. 1985. Oh, it's even earlier. So it's a very early um, James Spader, Robert Downey Jr. Um, early? Kim. You mean the young James Spader? Yes. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. was still being billed as Robert Downey. Oh, right, because he didn't want to acknowledge his father at this point. Or his father didn't tell him, like, add the junior or else. Because Robert Downey, he directed Putney Swope. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the into the uh, microphone. Introduced Phil. Robert Downey Jr. to drugs. That wouldn't surprise me. I've not seen Putney's Football, I've only seen the trailer, but it definitely indicates drugs are afoot. Um, so, did anyone watch anything interesting this week? I started watching the Dear White People show based on the movie Dear White People. Oh, okay, how is it? Uh, it's exactly like the movie so far. Okay, I have a funny story. So, it worked this week. We had to look through someone's private notebook to find something that they were asking for. And uh, the girl looking through the notebook came across this note that said what she thought was dead white people. But someone had just written it down as something to watch. And I was just like, dead white people? Who writes that in a notebook? And it's just a random thought. Like, and I'm like, no, you mean dear white people, not dead white people. Oh. I would watch that show. <laughs> oh, the times we live in or don't live in, as, as the case may be. <clears throat> Um, I watched. Uh, what did I watch this week? I watched uh, the the Lost City of Zed last night. The uh, the new film from uh, True Story of uh, Major Fawcett. I can't recall his first name, but he um, did a lot of research in the Amazon and disappeared there in the twenties. And he also fought in World War One. And it is believed that he found the Lost City of Zed, as he called it, which uh, was only verified in the early two thousands of actually existing. So, and again, I don't know how I know this because this is nineteen ninety three. Jerks. Um, um, and then I also watched She Killed in Ecstasy, the uh, Jesus Franco film, which was his follow-up to the not-so-classic Vampiros Lesbos. But I would argue if you're going to watch one of uh, Jesus Franco's films, watch the remastered versions that came out. Like, I watched uh, Vampiros Lesbos um, uh, a year ago, the remastered version, and it is a beautiful film. It actually makes up for the crappy, like, version I would used to see on Bravo at, like, 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. <laughs> You got any comments for that, Phil? Is, is this part of their uh, old softcore lineup? Uh, that was or... Showcase and No. And I can't recall, did I watch Psycho Cop Returns last week or this week? Um, <laughs> questions. Yes, questions, questions. Psycho Cop Returns is interesting. I've not seen Psycho Cop 1 yet, or Enter Psycho Cop, as I like to call it. Um, but Psycho Cop Returns was, uh, was definitely very entertaining. From the and it was actually directed by um, Riff Coogan, who uh, is a nom de plume of uh, Adam <laughs> Rifkin, who directed Detroit Rock City and The Dark Backward, and um, a few other. He directed a documentary a couple of years ago about the filmmaker Giuseppe Andrews and the films that Giuseppe Andrews makes because he actually lives in a trailer park and makes feature films. Mm -hmm. Kit, your face is quite perplexed at this time. I'm, I, I don't know any of these names that you're uh, <clears throat> referring to. Referring to. Okay. Um, so let's talk about this movie. I have not seen Tough Turf. Kit, I don't believe you've seen Tough Turf either. Say no. In no, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> you've only had one drink. My God, man. Handle it, your liquor. It would be nice if we could just like vocalize your head movements. Yeah. Uh, just, just... <laughs> no, I am not. You didn't even no. answer the question. Shake's head. Um, no. But Phil, Phil, you've seen it. Yes, I saw it uh, very recently. It was the last installment of Neon Dreams, this series yep. that's happening at the Royal. It had its two-year anniversary. And they showed it in a very pristine 35-millimeter print. Yeah, I was very sad to miss it because it played over Easter weekend. And um, the trailers looked amazing for this film. Um, and... Yeah, like I always, it was on my list of films to watch, my never-ending list. Um, but I definitely am looking forward to seeing it tonight. Uh, is there anything you should warn us for, Phil? Warna, uh, 
It goes in multiple directions. Uh, cool. It is longer than our usual programming. Yeah, you were saying I was. I thought it was like an eighty-two minute teen comedy, and you said it's like a two-hour. <laughs> it's, it's almost two hours long. Oh my god, we're gonna. There's die. a lot of ground covered. <laughs> okay, this videotape is gonna be so worn out because um, it's such a long movie. Um, but yeah, so with that being said, I'm gonna pop that tape in the VCR, settle back, and we're gonna we'll be back in a moment after watching Tough Turf. Don't you have laser discs at this establishment? No. Only VHS. It's a VHS or nothing kit. Don't look away from me. VHS or death. By video. Yes! That was so good. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, <laughs> we'll be back. So that was Tough Turf, guys. Yes, it was. I loved that movie. I I, loved it, loved it, loved it. I could tell. Yeah? Yeah, so good. Yeah, so I'm going to take the lead on this one and talk about... um, about the plot i'm gonna try and keep it short and condensed because it's it's detailed and layered and difficult and involves like three generations of people and gangs and ethnicities and a lot of stuff and class warfare too like it's 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 got three or four movies and and musical sequences of both uh like legitimate (laughs) underground artists like like jim carroll and uh, what was that? The 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 white jazz band or the white blues band? Oh, jack mac and the heart attack and the heart attack like holy crap this movie had everything <laughs> i am flying so high off of it like it is i'm going through a tough time at work and this is just brightening my day so much so so uh, james spader plays uh, morgan who uh before the film it's kind of like uh, the buffy the vampire series uh, show where she shows up as a new kid in, in school and there is a backstory that she's caused some kind of havoc or mayhem and her family's forced to relocate so james spader shows up as morgan um, we actually don't see him at first. Like he, he, we are introduced to him when he interrupts an attempted uh, armed robbery. We actually do see him in the uh, first montage, biking yeah, through the streets but in silhouette. We don't see his face with with no lights on his bike. It's no twilight. lights, no helmet. He's wearing headphones. He's riding hands free. He doesn't have on a busy street. <laughs> Devil may care. Yeah. He probably doesn't even have any reflectors, if I recall. Probably. No, he didn't have reflectors. No. Um, and uh, so uh, then he basically meets all of the antagonists and love interests in one foul swoop when uh, his future love, um, was Frankie, uh, sets up a, a yuppie-type businessman to get robbed by Nick and the... Uh, I'm going to call them Nick and the Pricks, the uh, the bad guys in the movie, um, which are a... I won't, I won't say... They're not... Openly Latino, they're vaguely. They're they're they're, 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 they're a bit closeted in terms of the Latinoness. They're vaguely Latino. They're fairly Latino, is what I'd say. Yeah, Nick. Nick kind of looks like a Latino version of uh, Tim Van Patten from uh, Class of Right, yeah, yeah, good old Tim Tim VP. They also repeatedly refer to James Spader as Metacon. Oh right. Anyway, so I guess I guess they're 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 moderately Latino, (laughs) Um, and. Uh, so they, they have this ruse where like she lures in some yuppie and uh, they arm and rob him and James Spader just kind of rides by and in one fell swoop steals their beer, <laughs> spray paints their leader in the face and like frees the yuppie and just sort of what was he called the beer that he sprays on them like uh, rain from heaven or something yeah something like that yeah no because uh, what's her face is uh, she has like Frankie. the open can of beer wasn't oh, no, no. Frankie was oh, it was Olivia beer? Borash's character who was uh, I want to say Pam no no Ronnie no. was her character Ronnie, Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. so Olivia there was also we want to point out like I think there's some connection between this movie and Repo Man because it, uh, one of the Rodriguez brothers shows up in the background wearing a Repo Man t-shirt as an extra yeah, yeah. he's kind of out of focus exactly and, and 
and Olivia Borash, who played uh, what was her character Layla, Layla, Layla in uh, in Repo Man. Man, shows up as the uh, as Frankie's best friend. Um, and at at the end of the movie, as you pointed out, it, well, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s was it his, is brother? his brother. Yeah, his brother. It's his brother. He's drinking a uh, no name beer as and it's the same no name beer. beer. Yeah, yeah. That, it's the same type of beer that was in Repo Man. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely got to be a connection somehow. Um, we haven't really looked into it, so we can't say. But, well, Repo um, Man came out in 84, mm-hmm. and uh, they obviously were shooting this in 84. The movie came out in 85. So, yeah, and um, Repo Man shot in 83, and I think they probably shared some production designers. Quite possibly. Because um, uh, when I saw it at Neon Dreams, uh, like Fritz Kirsch did the Skype uh, mm-hmm. Q&A, and like, for whatever reason, like I, I was so aggravated about it after, because like, it didn't occur to me... like while it was happening to uh, ask about the Repo Man connection, and that was my missed opportunity. Yeah, and I just did a quick search of the internet, which I don't know about because it's 1993. And uh, both movies are shot in L.A., like different regions mm-hmm. of L.A. Um, yeah, one's one's uh, more, it's, where was Repo Man shot? That was um, Edge City. Um, and it wasn't Edge City the production company? It or? was, but it was actually a part of the town. It was okay. the part of the Los Angeles that uh, Alex Cox lived in. And um, and uh, this film was shot in Merceda, as you pointed out. Yeah. The home of PWG, a.k.a. Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Um, and also alluded to in the Tom Petty song, uh, Free Fallen. Mm-hmm. It's a long day living in Merceda. Right, right. There's right. a freeway uh, running in the yard. Uh, I, I can't I remember. remember. I don't recall. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Kit. I'm glad you're so you gross that you're doing a crossword while we're, we're recording this. Um, I'm I'm right in it, Graham. I'm yeah, right in I know. Um, and then so after that, he goes to school, or we we meet his parents. We see his house. We find out that his father is a uh, is a slightly disgraced lawyer, slightly disgraced real estate. He guy. was a real estate yeah. guy. There was a fall from grace. Yeah, he wears his pajamas at 5 p.m. Is all you need to know. Hey man. Well, he, like he has like to make ends meet. He's he, driving a cab. Yeah, yeah, and we can totally tell that his parents used to be wealthy, either from Connecticut or as one of the gang makers, li- gang members likes to call it, Connecticut. Yes, I've the, never the, the heard second it. C is yeah. hard. Uh, not. not a gang member. Robert Downey refers to it as Connecticut. No, I thought I thought it was one of the gang members. No, it's Robert Downey. Yeah, and we're calling him Robert Downey, not Robert Downey Jr. Because, because he's billed as Robert Downey. Exactly. Um, this was also the same time. This also came out at the same time as Weird Science, and he was yeah, billed yeah, as yeah. Robert Downey. Ah, uh, yes. Thanks for the contribution, Kit. <laughs> well, you were actually, um, if you wanted to point this out, we were yep. discussing, because that's a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he wrote it. I don't think he directed it. I he, think he did direct it. Weird Science. He, he did yeah. direct it. Yeah. Okay, so you were actually comparing this movie to a John Hughes movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yes. During the film. Well, not just that, but the John Hughes movie in Oeuvre. general. I actually think, I think John Hughes movies kind of ruined teenage films in the 1980s. As much as we all praise them now, I look back at like all the like the pocket films like... Uh, like this movie, like Reckless, um, uh, featuring Daryl Hannah and Aiden, Aiden, Quinn. Aiden Quinn. And I'm just like, man, these, these great movies just got swallowed up. And everyone sort of like goes back and, and romanticizes the John Hughes movies, but they're all about essentially boring teenagers that don't really like their biggest issue is like, I just don't know how to be me. They're from the suburban <laughs> Illinois. Exactly. And... They aren't, they aren't kids about, um, you know, and that, and that's kind of why in the film, uh, Return of the Living Dead, Dan O'Bannon made the, the teens in it punk rockers because he wanted he was sick of seeing all these yuppies in movies, especially the John Hughes movies, which at that point had just like uh, Return of the Living Dead came out eighty five. It was just the birth of the John Hughes movement. We do get our share of yuppies in this movie, and we do. I would say oh, it yes. it is just as mm-hmm. unrealistic about teens and what they're going through as John Hughes uh, was. Yes. But, but in a different way. In a, di- in, a, in a much more enjoyable way. Because here's the thing. You don't look at this movie and think, this is what I want to aspire to. Like, every time I meet some some sad sack that loves John Hughes movies, they're always like, oh, it's so true. No, it's not. Not at all. It's like, it, it's Star Wars is more true than uh, Breakfast Club with and those guys. Um, <laughs> Rob, Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Yeah. Ali Sheedy, and Ali Sheedy. Michael Hall, yeah, yeah. and Judd Nelson. I rooted for the janitor in that movie. Um, the, the janitor was uh, definitely the highlight of yeah. the movie. Fun fact, the janitor was probably also the same age as all those people in that movie, too. I, I'm sure he was. Yeah. Because he, like, now, like, they, every now and then... Definitely uh, Judd Nelson's age. Oh, definitely Judd Nelson's age, for sure. Judd, Judd Nelson was, you know, a couple years away from collecting Social Security at the point he made The Breakfast Club. <laughs> um, and... 
so with Tough Turf, like he goes to school and he essentially runs afoul of this gang early on. They damage his bike, and he stupidly wears the same leather jacket yeah. with uh, the with the rip on it. Yeah, with the, yeah, with the rip because um, one of them grabs rips the antenna, antenna off a car and slashes the dude's jacket. Yeah, so it instantly pays attention. And Dude, it, James Spader. Yeah, James Spader and uh, the girl Frankie Kim Richards. Um, she initially is so anti-Spader, but there's like a couple looks between the two of that first encounter yep. that sort of seals. The, the sexual tension is established very it's early. It's romantic on. tension, man. Like it's it's <laughs> it's it's sexual slash romantic yeah. tension. He, they're not about that, dude. Like it's oh, wow. there. There's some smoldering. <laughs> there, yeah, it's smoldering. Yes, <laughs> Graham, you have put this movie on a pedestal. I have indeed. I am, <laughs> I I am a convert to this movie at this point. I'm going to find that jacket that James Spader wears and starts wearing it around town. I'm about the same age as him when he made this movie, so... <laughs> you, you need the slash as well. Oh, yeah, yeah don't worry. That, uh, It'll happen. That patch. Uh. Um, and, uh, oh, my God, this movie is so good. I, I'm so bummed that I missed it at Neon Dreams when it played. But, I mean, it was playing over Easter weekend. I was out of town. Hmm. Um, I don't even know if I want to summarize the rest of this movie because I like it so much. Um, well, long story <laughs> short... Um, through a series of shenanigans with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, teaming up with uh, with James Spader, what was Robert Downey Jr.'s character by the name? What was his name? Do we know? Oh Do we remember? God, I, let's not, I heard let's it not at Google the end it. too. Yeah, Ron? No, not Ronnie. Danny. Uh, Something like no. that. No, I'm gonna look it up right now. I do like the fact that Robert Downey Jr. isn't in the gang Remy? school because his mother forbade it. It's not Remy. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, um, yeah, like so, so much fun is had in this movie. So James Spader's bike is broken. His parents give him crap because it's like, oh, it's starting up again. And he eventually connives a way to get Frankie and her uh, her friend Ronnie to hang out with him and Robert Downey Jr. for an afternoon. They go to a country club. They clash. Uh, what is it, Junior Night or something at the country club? Yeah, here's he, Jimmy. Here's oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Okay. Here's Jimmy's where we get our Downey. yuppies, though. Is the is the is the Junior Night that you're describing yeah. here? So they, they're all. She's actually he, James Fader is actually driving Nick's car. Yeah. How he got through, uh, I forget some contrived reason. It was a very reason. convoluted thing. So yeah. Nick's older brother talked to Robert Downey Jr.'s older brother and said to go pick up the car. Oh, because um, Nick, we should point out, uh, James Morgan went to see this band play at the Warehouse, which is an actual warehouse, and it's the Jim Carroll band where Robert Downey Jr. is play, playing sitting drums. on drums. And I'm gonna I'm using air quotes so you can't see it. All the other actors in Jim Carroll's band in that scene are not musicians. No. Clearly. They are definitely not musicians. Yeah. And um in case you don't know who Jim Carroll is, he is also he's probably best known for his memoir The Basketball Diaries, which was adapted into uh the Leonardo DiCaprio and uh Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's feature film debut. Mm-hmm. And what? he Wait. also appeared on An Outcome oh. the Wolves by yep. Rancid. Mm-hmm. And his uh, his song "People Who uh, People Who Died," which is featured in this film, was featured over the end credits of the Dawn of the Dead remake from two thousand three or two thousand four. I can't remember which. Year. I did not see. I only seen the original. You are a prince among men, Phil. You looked like you had something to say, Kit. Huh? 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 No, I didn't actually. Um, no, just um, you were pointing about out about Jim Carroll and the Basketball mm-hmm. Diaries, and you mentioned Mark Mark Wahlberg. I've got nothing to add to this except my own stupidity. When you said it was his uh, debut, for mm-hmm. some reason I added directorial debut <laughs> to that. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that Mark Wahlberg directed the Basketball Diaries. Diaries. Yeah. Now I'm realizing, yeah, that was an early 90s movie. That was his film debut yeah, as an actor. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. now yeah, I've got it. After Good Vibrations and Feel It, Feel It, he directed the Basketball Diaries. Yeah. Um, to this day, I still call him Marky Mark. <laughs> yeah, so do I. He's Marky Mark for life. Um, and so th- so James Spader, he, he's bikeless, and he, he kind of borrows a Porsche that someone left the keys in. Inexplicably, the keys are sitting in the ignition, so he just seizes, mm-hmm. he just carpe diems. And, uh, yeah. And after a, a forced dance sequence between uh, Frankie and Morgan, uh, the where the gang member Nick and the Pricks, <laughs> see this happening, they uh, they accost uh, James Spader's Morgan outside the through the back door through the back yeah, door the warehouse and, and they think they're stealing his car but as but and Robert Downey Jr. comes to his rescue after they beat him up it's like oh man they stole your car and James Sorry, Spader says they didn't steal my car no, and then, no, that and wasn't then, his line his line is uh, I don't have a car I don't have a car yeah and it's such a great line. and then they get pulled over by the cops and Nick goes to jail and Robert Downey looks at him like oh you yeah, yeah. oh we got one over on him guys um. 
God, so much to love in this movie. <laughs> so much. I can't. I can't so, stop gushing. Uh, so then, like while the while the gang are sitting in jail, mm-hmm. um, that he, that's when the the whole escapade at the country club happens. Yes. So it gets a bit closer to Kim, or Frankie, as she's known. Kim Frankie. Yeah. He sings some song about thunder at a piano. We walk oh, the he, night. That was so. Yes. So there's a, a crappy like yuppie scumbag cover band playing bastardized Beatles songs, and uh, while they're all at this country club, and then when the band takes a break, uh, James Spader's Morgan pulls Frankie up on stage and says, "Just sit on the piano," and he plays her a smoldering torch ballad um, about walking at night, and that's when she starts to fall. Yeah, she's like. Nobody ever said those things about me. Like they're just walking by, like some outdoor, like waterfall, water fountains. Uh. And then she takes him to where we first meet. Um, What's his name again? Jack oh, Mack. Jack, Jack Mack and the heart attack. Jack, Jack Mack. Mack and the heart attack. Not Jacques she, Mack, his his, his French Canadian uh, cousin. She, Jacques Mack. <laughs> and the heart attack. Um, Alpha attack. No, Jacques Mack and Tabernak. <laughs> Um, no, it's Jack Mack and the heart attack. Mm-hmm. And she engages in an amazing dance she, sequence. She starts, she starts a dancing. And uh, James Spader's character, or James Spader to his credit, mm-hmm. doesn't try to one-up her here. He no, doesn't he just, try to like, I'm no. going to also dance he on tabletops. He stands back and, and just basks in her awesomeness. Yes, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. Like, considering that half of her weight is her hair. Yeah. Her which, hair, like, the hair runs down to her calves. It's very crimped. It's crimped. it's crimped from top to bottom. It's, and she's doing cartwheels, sliding down people, mm-hmm. one-upping the go-go dancers. Yeah. Uh, it's a great, it's such a good scene. It's so many, so many, so so many good. flash cuts. I, I love how much you love this film. <laughs> it's just, man, you know, we live in such a horrible world, and the fact that <laughs> this thing exists that can just brighten up anybody's day. I, I urge you now. Go to iTunes, and, and I'm breaking kayfabe here. I'm breaking the fourth wall. This is not 1993. This is 2017. What? <laughs> okay. Was that a pro wrestling reference? Yeah, I, I broke kayfabe, man. Um, uh, go to iTunes and rent this movie from iTunes. Find it on DVD. It's it's on a bunch of multi-packs. Don't download it. Actually, spend good, real money on this. It's a very cheap DVD. It's a very cheap DVD, and you'll get it in like six other movies for like eight bucks, and just probably one of those oh movies will be Heather's. Who knows? It, yeah, it is. It's on the Heather's like yeah, eight, six pack. Um, it's also on the eight, the eight films Guilty Pleasures, which features like I think Fraternity Vacation and oh god, like some other. Ter- oh, other Reform School. Inferior. Yeah, <laughs> very inferior. Yeah, and like Reform School Girls and Heather's and uh, Night Shift. Um, or Michael Swing. Sheet, no, no, no. Maybe I'm thinking of Swing Shift or something. Okay. Some other movie. Um, but it's it's just so good. And Nick comes back for revenge. Um, he proposes to her. Oh, he beat. They beat uh, James Spader with locks and keys. In, oh yes, in the locker room, mm-hmm. uh, like a Full Metal Jacket type beating. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, which was actually did Full Metal Jacket come out before? What, Full Metal, full was metal it Jacket 86? was after. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah, like, so like this is so Kubrick was probably watching. Kubrick tough. saw Tough Turf and took total inspiration for the scene where. Where uh, what's his face? Um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio gets beaten. Or, with... or that's just something that happens in the army, and Stanley Kubrick took inspiration from that. I choose to think the other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I let... They didn't have padlocks and keys, so they yeah, yeah, yeah. just had bars of soap. Bars of yeah. soap. Yeah. Um, he was like, "Damn it, God, we gotta figure out how to make this work." So Full Metal Jacket, I think, is just an homage to Tough Turf. I yeah. think I've heard that. I I agree. Um, <laughs> And uh, oh god, like it's so good. Um, I'm saying that a lot this this podcast. Um, and then so after that, James Spader asked her out to dinner. She goes. She has a wonderful time with meeting his parents, and his parents are thrilled because the last girl he brought home was stoned out of her mind, and you could only say like, "Hey, these peas are green." <laughs> that was like one of you really had a ball with that line. Well, too. I, I just like that. That girl sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these peas are Is green. Is she available? I'll take her out on a date. Oh yeah. Um, and. Th- <laughs> 
Uh, and then she gets she gets uh, upset when uh, when James Spader's mother says like oh you you me and your mother should go rose picking. She gets and, a little unreasonably upset. But I, her, mother her mother died, died of cancer. cancer. But it was only a year before. And you got to remember like let's put ourselves Ep- in our okay. in our teenage I, years. I'm putting myself in everybody. We're full of hormones. She's, she's mm-hmm. okay. So so um. Oh, we also forgot to point out that that at a certain point we believe Nick rapes her because she says no no no, and then he continues to force himself upon she, her. Uh, it's uh, I'm yeah, not gonna say anything. Yeah, no, it's she definitely rape. He she doesn't continue to say no. He goes down on her. She she stops saying no, but she'd already made her opinions very clear. That's it's it's an eighties movie. It's non consensual. She she suffers through it, but it's still I, I feel like rape. she could have continued to say no, and then it would have been like, Alright, Nick, stop. But Hey man. <laughs> No means no. I, That's I get all there is it. I get to it. it. I agree. And I and I and I, I I don't think we can even like compare. No, we this. can't. Yeah. Of course we can't. Because yeah. I None have of no us idea. Have we're that. all yeah. three three men sitting here. Yeah. We have no idea what that's like. And so I'd say we we're all we're, I'd say now, we're all three feminists as well. I, I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. So f Nick. I'm gonna have to bleep that. Um do, are you do you really have to bleep that? Yeah, I do. I, I don't curse, man. Oh, I like that. In 1993, Graham doesn't curse. And in 2017, and in 2017, either. he curses a mean streak. Yes, yes, I yes, he, <laughs> just yes, not. Yes, he at does. the video store. Yeah, just yeah. There's yes, a level he does. of decorum. There's a level of decorum, a great level of decorum. Um, so, so, so after the whole dinner debacle, Nick picks her up and she's like, "Oh, it's good to be back." And they're drinking and driving and doing all that horrible stuff. And then he's like, "Hey, go sell this watch that you gave me to this kid, the cab driver, for money." And it turns out that it's James Peter's father. And then, yes. Phil, what I happens should... after that? So, um, after much resistance, uh, Frankie, she goes out. She runs to uh, James Peter's dad. She's like, you got to get out of here. you got to get out of here. And then the gang sees what they're doing. So then they run out, and then they just start attacking. But uh, James Spader's dad puts up a, a he real does. He, fight. He uh, fights them off like good, good and real good. Yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a tough old he man. Does. But he's not tough enough for, yeah, a for a gun. loaded real gun. So Nick pulls a gun and shoots him twice, and the In gun runs off. Very grueling slow motion. Yeah, it was like this movie takes so many turns and so many twists that like you really can't get comfortable watching it. To be honest. Oh no! Fun fact. Yes. When they're coming out of the um, the concert at the warehouse with mm-hmm. um, Jim Carroll, is it? Yes, Jim, Jim Carroll. Jim Carroll. Yep. Um, it says on the wall, spray painted, "New Avengers." The New Avengers with an exclamation point. Now we both know that Robert Downey Jr. and mm-hmm. James Spader were in Avengers too, so yeah. it's almost like, yeah, New Avengers. Exactly, a little, a little uh, pre-premage, as I like to yes. say. Um, <laughs> or a um, pre uh, premonition. Premonition, yes. Yeah. Premonition. It's prescient. Prescient, yes. Primage. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, um, and then, uh, and then you know, obviously the the Spader family is left in sadness. But his father pulls. <laughs> the Spader family is mef- left. Sorry. Left. <coughs> the Spader family is left in sadness. Yeah. Sounds like a novel. Oh. We haven't even talked about Brian yet. Oh, oh Brian. Brian! You know what? Part of the Spader family. Yes, yes, the old, the elder brother to James Spader's Morgan. He he wraps shoulders. I, I he, he, he wraps, wraps shoulders sweaters. around his shoulders. He wraps sweaters around his shoulders like a preppy. And he also wears long sleeve V neck shirts with no shirt underneath. That was a that was a sweater, <laughs> a long sleeve V neck sweater with no shirt underneath. A yellow Venus yeah. sweater. Pastel that. yellow. He's yeah, he's Ugh, yeah. he's part of the eighties problem. Oh um, yes. He he he's definitely um bought into the uh Reagan um Yeah. The yuppieism. The yeah, that mm-hmm. and so um Frankie and uh Morgan meet up and oh, and I wanna say that the one thing that keeps getting pushed around this whole movie is that um James Suter's character Morgan says that you know, Nick doesn't own Frankie, yes. and that's a big thing because Nick treats her like property. And he even says, like, you you learn what happens when you mess with my property. And at a certain point, Robert Downey Jr. even tells Morgan, like, or tells James Spader, "Hey, leave her alone. There, she's Nick's she's girl." She's Nick's girl. And, and then James Spader's like, "Lincoln, free the slaves." Yeah. So there's very much a 
the the big difference between because like That's James not a James Spader is also a little a little pushy in the movie as well, but. Can anyone do a convincing James Spader um, impression? I don't think that's a thing. No. Yeah, to admit, no, no. No. <laughs> um, so then, so, uh, so James Spader and Frankie have their cheerful reunion, and then Frankie goes back to tell her father that the mayor, oh, by the way, Nick proposes, basically asks her father for, asks Frankie's father for her hand in marriage, and he accepts on her behalf. He's such a good sport about it. He brings a bottle like, oh. of expensive champagne. Well, he's, he's a working class guy, but hey, he owns a liquor store. He owns store. a liquor store, so like getting a bottle of champagne isn't isn't hard for him to get. No. Um. And so she goes and tells like her father, like, "Hey, you know, I I can't marry this guy, and plus, I'm a teenager. Like, this is high school." Um. And then uh, he beats her up and threatens James. He tells James Spader, "What were you gonna say, Kit?" Oh, he he beats her up, and he also beats her father up. Yeah. He beats a lot of people up in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then and most he, the he gets her to phone James Spader and says, "Meet me at twenty minutes at the warehouse." Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't I'll say kill it just her. like that. He says it because that's the thing. Like he, it, like Nick says, like it's his, it's she's his property, and that he'll kill her before he lets her go with with James Spader. And she calls like while James Spader's having a very chill moment. Like he's uh, he's making some teas, boiling a kettle. <laughs> he's literally like pulling water into a kettle. So. And James Spader goes to enlist Robert Downey Jr., but unfortunately Robert Downey Jr. isn't at home, so he leaves a note with his brother. But but he also has an encounter with Brian. Oh, Brian. Brian. Mm -hmm. Brian. What happens with that encounter? Well, Brian's... Brian's like chewing him out, like, oh, you're nothing but trouble. Look what you did. You almost got dad killed. Again, not... And he's Not block- to shit and he, on the and movie. He's, and he's blocking uh, James Spader's way, and then James Spader just stands up for himself. But I can understand how everybody feels here. No, no, I, James no, Spader is not responsible but that's for not, all of wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. However, James Spader does not try to Wait, wait, wait. You said you don't want to shit on the movie, but the thing is, are you really crapping on the movie? Because you understand how everybody is... Is, is treating James Spader that way because like he does bring it on himself to a degree. I think that's a bonus. I think that's a plus. Like yes, you understand that this character is not a black and white representation. You he love this movie so much. Different shades of gray. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. But, 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 it also, but also play, yeah, but also plays into the argument that no good deed goes unpunished. Based exactly. On the openings, yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's true. And the other thing too is that the one thing is like James Spader is kind of a dick in the movie, but. He is not a controlling dick when it comes to the girl. He he many times says like he like if she wants to go, he lets her go. Except in that dance sequence. He does I, force dance with her. That was the group, the audience of that concert broke into like synchronized dancing and force danced. They actually snap dance her into position. Yes. Yeah. But he ini- but he initiates it by force dancing with her. And then the gra- the okay. crowd just Stop calling uh, it force dancing. You make it seem like he he like grabs her arms and shakes her about <laughs> He, he's extracting information from her. What's your name? Yeah. Yada yada. So th- he is force dancing, but then, you know, the crowd's just. Uh, the crowd, in the it, crowd in gets it, so yeah. into it. So, like, everybody's force, force dancing, dancing with her. Yeah. I actually like her response to that what's your name question. It's like, that's my business. It is her business. <laughs> See? It's movie's great. So, um,. He, uh, Robert, um, James Spader leaves I, I, a note with I, Robert Downey Jr.'s brother. I think yeah. like a byproduct of the force dance sequence is that he finds the dead rat in his locker and all of his books. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a dead rat yeah, in his locker. Because Nick and his uh, cronies see the force dancing. Nick and the and, pricks, yeah. And like at the end of the dancing, it's mutual dancing. Yes. And force it dancing leads to mutual dancing. It wasn't dancing. like he was grabbing her inappropriately in certain areas. No, like he our was current American not president. letting her hand go is the mm-hmm. important bit. Okay. Which is it's bad. It's bad. It's shaky. It's shaky. It's, it's the eighties, folks. Yeah, it's shaky. Still better than most. Boundaries are crossed. Boundaries are crossed. Yeah, um, by both James Spader and Nick. Mm-hmm. More so by Nick. So of he, course, by Nick. So he goes to Robert Downey Jr.'s place and to find him to to enlist his help, but he's not there. So he sees his brother, and apparently his brother is just holding two dogs, which was not. It was not raised like brought in at all that like apparently Robert Downey Jr.'s family's business is dog training, um, <laughs> specifically Rottweilers and attack yes. dogs. Um, so Deferative. very and so uh, James Spader goes to the warehouse. The, I, th- I thought they were Dobermans. Uh, they're Dobermans. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, my, my mistake, my mistake. 
So James Spader goes to the warehouse and he brings his dart guns, which apparently, like they set it up in the first scene that he owns dart guns. He owns dart guns. And his house is full of cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. And they're crawling they, on his Albert Einstein poster. They, they never get back to this, but his family is filthy. I think that was just because they moved into that house. That was like, they, they were still moving in. They were still setting up. Like there were still some cockroaches from the previous. It was, it was such a fall from grace they had to settle in Reseda. Exactly. From all the way from Connecticut. Connecticut. Um. So Robert Downey Jr. gets the drop on a couple gang members, but then Nick gets a drop on him. There's a big fight, and just as Nick is about to, yes. Oh, the, there's one gang member with a marvelously waxed chest. Yes, that was the first one to go down. Yes, he is, as it yeah. should be. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he gets knocked out with like one punch. Yeah. yeah, he's actually used as bait too. They actually. Oh yeah, oh, yeah he, he strings, strings him up. up yeah. yeah, James Spader gets a little hardcore in this movie, um, and so. When Nick seems like he's got the drop on James Spader, all of a sudden Robert Downey Jr. shows up with two dogs and sticks them on the gang members, <laughs> and then promptly gets shot in the leg. He gets one like lodged in his thigh, and, and that's that's it for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. There's a little slow mo with that too, like oh, I got shot in the leg, and he kind of falls in slow motion, and yeah. then they go on with the rest of the scene. Mm-hmm. So then there's more fighting, and at a certain point, um, Nick loses the gun, his gun, the same gun that shot James Spader's father. And pulls out a straight razor and holds it to James Spader's neck. Frankie grabs the gun and basically convinces him to drop his his um, his knife. And but when she says how many bullets are left, you know the bullets are for me, for my father, for whatever. And then she actually fires the gun, but it's empty, and that sets Nick off because oh my god, she would have killed him. Yeah, because he throws her off the stage and he's punching her. And then there's a fight. Like then James Spader grabs an axe because at first uh, Nick grabs a, a board with nails in it. But as we all learn, axe trumps board. Um, yes. And it's it's a fire axe. Yeah, a good old red one. Yeah. And they fight up to a higher level. Some more fighting happens, and then Nick gets. Uh, it basically, James Spader shows him some mercy. Nick goes in for another for a cheap shot. James Spader catches him punches are actually no frankie well, alerts well, Fra- frankie alerts yes him. frankie alerts him to the cheap shot that's coming up nick hits I, him i think he has a two by four handy yeah, yeah he has a two by four sorry a- after that's the, nick. after the severe Ni- beating nick has a two by four not yeah. uh, not james spader and james yeah. spinner just gives him the good old spinning double axe handle and knocks him off of this platform he crashes to the ground and screaming he falls screaming, screaming yeah and, uh... and then so we don't we uh, i'm gonna assume that he's still alive i don't think james spader is a murderer in this movie um not intentional no it does do that uh, that old 80s movie trope mm-hmm. where it's like the good guy, he's going to show mercy. So the bad guy has to be worse. sneak attack yeah. him at the end just so and the good instinct, guy can legitimately, on instinct. On instinct, not even think, like, yeah. oh my, just in self-preservation mode, commit a potential murder. I, I think he has a good case in court. Uh, yeah. He can plead self-defense there. Kit pulled the microphone away from Phil while Phil was still talking. Do you want to complete <laughs> your thought, thought there, Phil? <laughs> No, I, I was finished. Uh, Kit, carry on. I have nothing to add except. That <laughs> Why did you pull the microphone away then? <laughs> you see, you're the you worst. Ho- this is when <laughs> when, when, like, when I'm editing this. Like I notice a lot of times you pull the microphone away and say like, "Well, I've got nothing to add to this," and I'm like, "Well, I just I just thought of something that I think is cool. I yes. don't know if our listening audience will think it's cool. What is that, Kit? Uh, James Spader's dad mm-hmm. is basically the love child between Harry Dean Stanton and Willem Dafoe. Yes. And I just want to say something to our audience. I should have put this at the front, but thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, really appreciate you if you're listening to us on iTunes. If you are, please subscribe and uh, give us a rating. A good one if you want. If not, you know, just keep it to yourself. We don't need any more negativity in this world. Um, give us a like on SoundCloud if you get the chance. Follow us on Facebook. We actually have... Um, we are on Facebook at, um, at Death by Video. Death by Video. Yep. Death. Death. Death by Video. Death by Video on Facebook. We're also on Instagram at Death by Video Podcast, um, where our Gleaning the Cube episode got us a lot of likes from skateboarders. Um, it, it did. It, those hashtags really work, don't they? I know. They? I know. It's too bad that they don't really work on Facebook or, uh, or SoundCloud as well. Um. Don't wear Thrasher if you don't skate, but you can still, uh, watch Gleaning the Cube. Yeah, Totally. Um, but, uh, what was I going to say to end it off? So the film ends abruptly with all of our characters back at another, uh, another night at, uh, Jack Mack and the Heart Attacks Jack bar. Jack Mack and the Heart Attacks. And they, they play us out with the song Tough, T-U-F-F. They spell it Turf. too. Yeah. Tough. Tough. T-U-F-F. 
You're they so never say tough. tough Turf together. No. no. Nobody ever says the title of the movie. The, the early well, on, the theme song, the theme song does, at yeah. least a couple of times early in the movie. It gets so close, too. Yeah. Very close in that final scene. But it ends with a dance sequence, and they're all, like, the band is thrilled that Frankie is back because, oh, that's the girl that danced really awesomely. And also, I forgot to point out that Jack Mack points, like, Astros, like, oh, I want to be your son-in-law. I don't know what that even means. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that's just a weird no. turn of phrase. I, I, maybe I we missed something. He's talking that. to her mother in the song, and he's like, I want to be your son-in-law. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe he just wants to be a part of her life in any which way Because he she's can such an awesome find. dancer? But, and there's such a leap in time between uh, the final confrontation and like the yeah, second. Yeah, because everybody's Jack- fine. <laughs> yeah, James Pater and uh, Kim Richards, they're so well healed. He's got a new blazer. It looks great. They cleaned up really well. She's fully decrimped. Uh, yeah. She decrimps a couple times in the film, but then she always gets her crimps back. Yeah, we should also. She got a yuppie makeover. We, sh- we should also point out that there uh, there is a love scene in the film between James Spader and, and Frankie, or Kim Richards, as she's no- known in real life. And there are nipples briefly, but possibly not hers because we don't see. Who yeah, there's they no there's to. no confirmation on that for any knocked up fans. Yeah, there are no knocked up fans. <laughs> Um, that's that's the movie I go to when I think of that kind of. We've got confirmation. Yeah, that's what I've got. That's what I go to. Um, but they they do, and like it's it's interesting because they're both so banged up because it's after the beatdown that uh, that she took on the street. So on the street when no, because uh, like it's it's right after uh, the hospital. Yeah, the hospital. So she got so, when she tried to save uh, James Peter's dad from being shot. Uh, she got punched and thrown to the street by the gang members and her own boyfriend. Or fiance, I should say. Um, my fiance. And <laughs> there's no ring. Uh, they, they were going to no. go to Woolworths. They're going to go ring shopping at Woolworths. Um, and then, yeah, they they have this like great raw love scene, and then all the uh, the climaxes happen. And then uh, the love scene. Sorry, I mean in the film, not, not that much. To be honest, with you. no, it's, it's 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 the nipples, and then that's it. It's and enough, then some hand it's, holding. It's it's a montage. It's um, intimacy, and like Philly pointed out, they use a very interesting way to like edit around it. They used was it fade to oranges? Yeah, fade to oranges because like. Early on, it was like they do fade to red. reds, which which I homage in my my film. Well, I didn't homage because like I hadn't seen the film. Orange. Yeah, it was a sunburnt orange. It was a prescient homage. Yeah, um, in the film Zygosity, which I wrote and directed, um, we we use fade sometime in the future, sometime in the future, and also featuring Kit in a very prominent role as John the John. Yes, mm. everybody loves your scene, by the way, both of them. I'm not in Zygosity, FYI. Yeah, why is that, Graham? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I invited you to be a cult member, actually, on Facebook when we were in the climax when there was the cult members, and I don't I think... I completely forgot about that. Why couldn't you be a cult member, Phil? He was probably working, to be honest. Not a good enough excuse. We all got to earn money. I will have to soon, too, once I get fired on Monday. Inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> Are you leaving this in? Yeah, I'm going to leave it in. Okay. We'll see. There's a guy that at the place where I work that's listening to it, and he's going to listen to it on Monday and be like, look up at me like from across the room like, what? By <laughs> the premonition that I will be fired. Yeah. Um, it was nice knowing you guys. Um, but, yeah, I just love this movie so much. I, I really do. Like, I just – it's – it like it, – I knew you'd be into it. I, I, I didn't realize you'd be this into it. Uh, cause I, I, just, I, I knew you needed to watch it. Like, yeah. like this, is, this movie just screams Graham. And yeah. Does. It's just because, I knew you were busy. Because like, guess what? Like the good guys win, and well, I got I gotta ask because yeah. I'm uh, I'm the guy who doesn't really understand the movies that you guys like. I think I, no, no. Let's let's go right. The movies I like and Phil tolerates. <laughs> but I I appreciated this movie for what it was. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is a cheesy movie with a lot of yeah. tropes. Um, but, 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 but so yes. how does this? It is very cheesy. It is, but and I, I do I, enjoy it. I know there's a good explanation for this. I'm mm-hmm. not suggesting there isn't. But yes. how does this separate itself from a movie like Gleaming the Cube, which has a lot of those same tropes, but is this is a much better movie in your eyes? I assume. Yeah, um, I think it's just the characters because it's like here's the thing. Like, like we, you can say it's a cheesy movie, and it is a cheesy movie, and Gleaming the Cube is also a cheesy movie, but the characters like drive it along and also like uh, this movie was much better directed than gleaming the cube yeah like fair. it was that's fair it was very well directed it was very well edited as well um and um, also oh yes. the director also did um you mentioned this phil oh it was uh children of the corn which I'm part, part one was very loosely based on the stephen king short story children of the corn yep. 
Um, but yeah, it's and I just think that like this is a film that so Gleaming the Cube is more of a jump in like a cash in movie. I felt that the people involved in it didn't understand skate culture. Nope. To nope. to a large degree. I mean, they, they, ha- they to get Tony Hawk. They hired real skaters, yeah. but I don't think they understood the skate culture. And I also think that they they like you can tell that the heart and soul isn't as much in it as it, like in this movie. Like everything is so the fact that Jim Carroll plays at the warehouse where these kids hang out. Like that is such a specific choice and such a specific like fine to actually get to get Jim Carroll to agree to appear in this film. It's it took a definite passion on the part of the filmmakers to get him there, and also a, a drugged out Jim Carroll. As I, he, yeah, I he, he was noticed. he was quite drugged. Yes, um, he, he said his lines well, but like this was he definitely was uh, was was doing some stuff in his downtime. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Jim Carroll. Um, oh, he's dead. Yeah, I didn't he, know that. He, yeah, okay. yeah, he yeah. died a few years ago. A few years back. Okay. Yeah. Um, but also, it's just like like the joie de vie of this film. Like, just, just James Spader's character, because he is a throwback in the movie. Like, he listens to, like, Nick famously calls him Bebop, because he comes in, and in his opening scene, he's listening to music on his headphones, and he's singing bebop a luba She's My Baby, which is a classic 50s rock and roll song. And, like, every time someone's playing an old song from the 60s or 50s, he's like, crank it up, man, this is a great classic. Oh, yeah, and Kit, you uh, observed that he had that uh, 80s jazz festival poster on his wall. Framed. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. Well, I, was it framed? I think it was just it, up. It might have been just I, up. It was framed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's enough. And it was it was not a good jazz festival yeah. poster. It was just jazz it was, it festival. Was just piano keys. And then piano keys, which is like probably what they release mm-hmm. in a bad year for a jazz festival as, as their marketing. Yeah. But... You know? There, were, there were like I, I had a, uh, a Montreal Jazz Festival T-shirt from the '90s that my parents bought me, and it was a piano keys. <laughs> um, but uh, I, do, I just, I have to say wow, that wow, and everybody involved too. Um, um, Frankie, uh, James yes. Spader's character, who, uh, what's his name, Mason, uh, Morgan, I think, Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. Yeah. and um, Frankie's Kim Richards's character, Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy is, Jimmy, is Robert Downey Jr. They're all they actually all infiltrate the uh the the, the Jack what's what's his Jack name Mac again? and the Heart Attack. Jack Mac and the Heart Attacks take their instruments and they're all like playing horn section mm-hmm. and saxophone and everything at the end of it. See see the thing about this movie why I love it so much is that you can tell because it goes in so many different directions. Like it starts off being very like wacky and loose and then it gets like, like it takes so many different turns and almost becomes like I think Phil, you said it's essentially three different movies in one. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and 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 that's just it's it's clear that the filmmakers like involved, immediately after the first appearance of Jack Mack and the Heart Attack, the movie just goes like goes nuts. Oh yeah. Um, and like it's I don't know. I just I just I I love the fact that that we used to have films like this where. The editing sometimes is quite something. Oh yeah, like I'm sure some people had seizures after this movie. <laughs> But to put it down is that, like, listen, we don't get entertainment like this anymore in any form, really. And it's so sincere in its tropes, too. That's the thing, too. Like, I felt Gleaming the Cube wasn't sincere. Whereas Fair. Whereas this film is so sincere. Like, and I often talk about, like, I'm not a big fan of The Room, the cheesy movie The Room. I've seen it. I've laughed at it. But that's the thing. I, I'm laughing at it. Whereas, like, with this film, I'm laughing. I'm with it. I want to be a like I want to be a part of it and enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. You you would but, say you you think this movie knows that it's kind of cheesy at, well, I, at I, its heart. I, yes, and it, and it's going, but it's going for it too. Like I look at a film like Miami Connection, which has been compared to The Room, but the Miami Connection, it's done with sincerity and love and an effort, whereas The Room was done with cynicism. <laughs> I have seen Miami Connection. It is not a very well produced. No, movie. no, no. It's not well produced, but the, but the sincerity you have to understand, like. That breathes so much through a film that you can actually see it. And why are you guys laughing at no, me? No, no, it's it's part of the reason why I still like Rumble in the Bronx every time it comes yeah, on TV. Yeah. Because it's such a silly film. Yes. But it's so sincere. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. It's like it, it, when, you, when you can tell that the filmmakers behind it were just so passionate and invested in what they were doing, it carries through the film and it makes you – like, I would say – like, you could say this is a bad film – but I, I, I don't believe that because you just – I take so much enjoyment from it that it can't be bad if I like it this much. Oh, and, I like that answer. And <laughs> and the thing about – like and that's always like I hate the term guilty pleasure because, no, you shouldn't be ashamed of what you like. Like I like the stuff I like. You like what you like 
you can't just do this whole thing of like, oh, I don't want anyone to know I like this, unless you're like, you know, a raging asshole or like you like Nazism or something. Also, people who like, um, like date movie or epic movie yeah. or any of those shitty parody movies, yeah. they're just no good at liking films. Exactly, and my my attitude behind that, is, <laughs> with with all those those parody movies, is that, but they're just done so cynically. Like that's why I don't like them. They're they're cynical entities. Some parody movies are good though. No, not another teen movie. Is good. I enjoy uh, even that like um, some of the scary movies. For yes. example, some of the scary Naked movie Guns. Three, Naked Gun. Uh, in fact, for sure. probably all of the Naked Guns. Yeah. Are good parody movies. Yes. But the when they started getting to epic movie and well, um, because they they weren't actually building jokes. <clears throat> Their whole joke was, "Hey, this movie came out. Here's You've a seen character that trailer. From it. Here's a character from that movie. Here's here's Iron Man farting. Like that's yeah. that's that's the extent of the joke. And it's so cynical and it's so they sold so well though, which annoyed me. I I worked at Blockbuster mm-hmm. when these movies came out. Yeah. And it just people would rent them, and I'd be like, "Don't rent this." I know, but that's and that's the thing. It's it's, and I don't think those people even really enjoyed it. But it's just like it was shoved down your throat so much, and you see from that trailer, like, "Oh, I recognize that thing. It's I recognize so that thing." Postmodern in a way. It's just re- like it's it's, it's, it's part of what I like pure to call postmodernism. It, it's in not a good way. Yeah, it's it's what I like to call <clears throat> reductive cinema. It's like when all those horror movies started casting Bill Mosley and Sid Hagen and everything. It's like. That was what they hung their entire medal on, and you. Although Devil's Rejects was a decent yeah, yeah, film. okay. Yeah. That those are exceptions because that's where it, I hated Devil's Rejects. <laughs> I'm actually I, I'm I not, can understand anybody I'm, who hated Devil's I'm, Rejects. I'm not a fan of it either, but I at least it's not an easy movie to like. Thing, I I didn't like it either, but I can at least see that Rob Zombie was trying something, and he was legit, and like, and that's that's okay. Like, I don't have to like it. I don't. I'm not like. You can hate it, and that's fine too. But some people like it, and I think in that movie they're used better than they were in like Return, like Night of the Living Dead 3D. Or I, I had my mouth agape during. Um, mm-hmm. I, I watched Devil's Rejects. I had my mouth agape for most of the film. Yes, and that's kind of why I give it a good recommendation because most films don't do that to me, except for Get Even. Except for Get Even, yes. Yeah. So yeah, and I don't know. I just. I hate the fact that we're living in such a cynical world right now and that we're just filled with nothing but people like I hate the the whole culture we have now where everyone's just kind of like that sucks like which is that's the internet that's Facebook that's Twitter that's everyone just wants to shit on everything and I hate it like to my like so guys uh we 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 ran out of card space and I'm um I was getting really worked up there um <laughs> You but, really were. Yeah, because I just... You were talking about, um, well, not directly about Devil's Rejects, which is a film that I can't necessarily yeah. recommend to people, but if you're you, into you a certain you type of where film and from, genre yeah. and stuff, I might say, you might like this, is but what I, I, I No, I, like, I got cut off when I was ranting about how the internet is just a, a group of people saying everything sucks. Everybody's um, cynical. And, yeah, and I, 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 like I, I think we should wrap this up soon, just because like I'm, I'm kind of worn out now, and uh, <laughs> from you, ranting and uh, well, the giddiness of the film down to the ranting of the uh, po- podcast podcast has worn your emotions. And, I, and I'm going to apologize to everyone that I broke character and I'm not 1993 Graham right now. What are you talking about? I'm stuck in a video store in 1993, and you're telling me you're not 1993 Graham. I don't know what to say. I don't know either. You're very committed to this kid, are you? I I don't know. I appreciate Kit's commitment. Um, um thank I'm also you. Very committed, obviously. So, final thoughts on Tough Turf, guys. Oh, Kit, wow. you're first. They spelled tough with two Fs. T U F F. Phil, final thoughts on Tough Turf? Um. I laughed. I cried. I was. Uh... You kissed your ass goodbye. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I didn't do that. Um, it, it was tense. Uh, yeah. It got tense. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. As as tense. as with many of the films you recommend, although you hadn't seen this movie mm-hmm. either, um, but it's a film I had no idea existed. That stars um, James Spader and Robert Downey. Mm-hmm. But aren't you glad that it does exist? So, yeah, I am. It's again. It's not that a film I'm going to be heart. recommending to anybody I know. Why not? Because what does it have? Honestly, at it the end has of the day, what does it have? Honesty and emotion and does it? It here's the thing. It's well, got what, a bunch but, of tropes no, no, and no, cliches. But, 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 I but, like it. But yes, but that's why you have to recognize. It's like, look, I hate the fact that like 
and here we go again. <laughs> um, I hate the fact that again we live in a world where everyone's like, but what's it got? It's got a. It's a good time. It's, it's enjoyable. Not, it's, you can re- you can root for the characters. It's you not. Don't, you don't have to be hung up on you know bullshit. That doesn't that like it's got to be important or worth, worthwhile or I have to be able to be look cool by liking this or I have to be able to put it on Instagram and be like look at this thing that makes me better. It's not about that. It's about a good film and enjoying your life. Will people be saying that about Can't Hardly Wait or something like that in the future? Or? I hope to God yes. Okay. And I'm not joking. And that. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's no Godfather Part Two. It's no but, but, Full but Metal why? Jacket. Not every film has to be Not that caliber. Be that. But also, here's, here's the thing: Why do we elevate Godfather Part Two? Because here's the thing: I'm not gonna sit around and get cheered up by Godfather Part Two. I'm gonna get cheered up by this because it's got Dominic Chianti as Johnny Ova. I know, and I like Godfather Two. But like, I don't know. Like for me, it's like. If I like something, why do I have to put it on a different tier? It goes back to the whole guilty pleasure thing. Like, Godfather Part 2 is... N- I'm going to get so much crap for what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Godfather Part 2. Godfather Part 2 is not better than Tough Turf. Interesting. Don't, don't, yeah, Interesting. It, it's, it's not. It it carries more social cachet, and if you want to be a hipster douchebag and say, like, because that's, it's, again, it's... Is Godfather Part 2 a hit with the hipsters? No, 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 but it, it's it's the but whole hipster thing of, like, trying turf... to buy cachet through taste. So Tough Turf could appeal to hipsters if they only knew about it. Tough Turf could appeal to people who just don't want to be assholes. <laughs> um... I'm not gonna. Bleep, really I'm not gonna bleep my curse on this movie. Uh, yes, I'm not gonna lie. It's yes, it's really, yes. It's really fun. Yes, escapism. Come on, yes, yes. But Phil. it is escapism, though. So is Godfather Part Two, because God. In yes. a way, no, no, it totally is because it's not real. All that shit that they made up in the first Godfather movie was just that it was made up. None of that stuff actually existed in the mafia, and that's gonna tie into our film. Okay, like n- Sophie's Choice then. Sophie's Choice. <laughs> Schindler's List. Here's the thing: I've never seen so so Sophie's Schindler's Choice, List, and I'm never gonna watch Sophie's Choice. Schindler's List. Okay, but that's a different movie. I know, but that's these a, are these are weighty message films compared to what Godf- we're watching but, here, and but I'm wondering how. But do they compared stack to up? Schindler's List, Godfather Part Two is a popcorn movie. I don't know where this conversation's <laughs> going. I don't know either. But what I was gonna say about the mafia is that ties into our movie that we're gonna watch next week. Ooh. Is it, it King of New York with Christopher Walken? Oh, that's a good one, but no. It is a good one. <laughs> it is a really good one. We're going to be watching a filmmaker who only became a filmmaker because of The Godfather, because he saw it and hated the fact that, that it was all false. He was a uh, a torch singer, a lounge singer, a uh, contemporary of Frank Sinatra. He briefly had a uh, Martin and Lewis-esque... Wait, 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 wait. Frank Sinatra did have mob ties, though. Yes. That wasn't false. Oh, no, no, that was, that was true. But so did this singer, and that's why he was... It's uh, Duke Mitchell, who was a contemporary of Frank Sinatra and knew all the mob guys. And when he saw The Godfather, he was outraged because he's like, the mafia are scumbags. Um, and so he actually... It drove him so so angry that he made a movie called... Uh, uh, on its One of its releases, it was The Executioner. On um, For the purposes of what he wanted to call it was Massacre Mafia Style. We are not going to be watching Massacre Mafia Style. We're going to be watching his <laughs> second film, Gone with the Pope. How nice. Ha- is this at all different from Gone with the Wind? Very. <laughs> Massacre Mafia Style has a much catchier title, but I'm guessing Gone with the Pope is the superior movie. Um, It's just the one I own. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and not what uh, the video store ghosts have, Yes, the video uh, store ghosts. 1993 Graham is saying we got to watch Gone with the Pope next week, and I won't break <laughs> character because it's a movie that I've seen and those these guys haven't, so I won't be as floored as I was when I saw Tough Turf today. I apologize to our listeners, all 12 <laughs> of you who uh, who lost faith in me. And 13, thank, by, come on, let's be by the optimistic. Way, thank you for listening. Uh, we love you dearly and deeply. And go see Tough Turf. It is great. Um, Tough with two Fs, by the way. T-U-F-F. Don't get confused. Yeah, not T-O-U-G-H-F, Turf. <laughs> I misspelled Tough. It's a, a very different movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just go out, enjoy your lives, and uh, don't be a cynical asshole. Good night and goodbye. I've been filled. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been filled.
And I've been Graham. Have a good night. Learn.